0: Listening to the Terminator Podcast only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show Podcast. providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, Two Guys Talking.
1: Terminator 2, Judgment Day.
0: One Terminator review is done. It's time for the Terminator 2 review by Two Guys Talking. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts.
2: And I'm Carlo
3: Bezzesi, the other host.
0: Carlo Bezzesi is not only one of my best lifelong friends, he's also an independent filmmaker from the Midwest. Carlo, thanks for joining us today.
3: Oh, I'm happy to be here.
0: What we're going to be doing is going into the second review of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, directed by James Cameron. This is probably one of my favorite films ever, Carlo.
3: You would put it up there in the top what,
0: Mike? This is easily top five. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, top five. If the, Between this and, I'll, you know what, probably top three. Because if there's something I need to do, it's either going to be this or it's going to be Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. Wow. That okay. I just throw in for background. In fact, you know what, why don't you just be quiet and I'll throw this in and listen to it. And Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm kidding, dude.
3: I don't know when you're kidding or not. No, that's all right. We still rolling.
0: We are still rolling. Okay. Good. Sound speed. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Why don't you just be quiet and I'll throw in Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan and then we'll come back later. Is that all right?
3: Come back later. Redo. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine with that because I love that movie
0: too. Oh, okay. Good. Thanks for joining us for Two Guys Talking. I'm Mike Wilkerson. <laughs>
3: Oh, man, this is great! It's awesome to be here. I'd say it's an honor to be included in on this prestigious show. Yeah, you know,
0: I'm I'm ready to dig in and get into it. Cool, cool. So let's dig right into the Terminator 2 review on the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast.
1: I need your clothes, your boots. and your Two Guys Talking podcast.
0: Dolby Digital Sound and THX Feature Showcase. Carl, this has to be one of the very first films that I remember seeing where they actually had the little, all of the little added in special sequences and sounds so that you could have the right speaker and the left speaker and the left reverse speaker and the surround speaker and the, the uh, sub, all of that was included in the very first sequence of this film. And the reason I remember it so much is not because when I saw the movie, but when I went to Florida, when I actually saw the, uh, the Terminator 2 Judgment Day feature at Universal Studios, I remember the sound and the, like, the spray water and stuff, and it was so incredibly encompassing. This DVD is exactly the same way with the sound on it. This
3: DVD was, was also the first, I mean, uh, for me on my end, it was the first time I shared an experience with another former schoolmate of yours, Dan Patterson. The first time he hooked up his home THX sound <laughs> system, this was the first D V D that he played and put in there and we just sat back in awe and let the uh let the the sound, the T H X just like wash over us and it just kind of just completely gave us that whole awe inspiring feeling we had from the first time we saw it. You know, the sound yeah. and the effects and everything yeah. it just you know, blows you away the very first time you see it. I, see it again in a in a home theater for the very first time. Uh, that was that was pretty phenomenal. Right, well. and th-
0: this is also when home theaters were, you know, they were actually an expense. You could probably do a third mortgage on what was a, uh, you know, an in-house in-home theater back then. Oh uh, the, yeah. The, the sound right. system back then in the in the early '90s would have just been ridiculously expensive.
3: Yeah, that I was, mean he well, he just for the he didn't even have a tricked out completely tricked out system by today's standards. Right. But his wife was super pissed at him for the amount of money that he spent (laughs) on home theater back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was worth
3: it. I mean, the first time we we heard T two on it, I mean, that was that was an event. That was like, come on over tonight. We're gonna watch T two for the first time, and so it was it was cool. It was a whole second
0: way to experience this uh, landmark film. Absolutely.
2: She's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast. She's going to blow them away.
0: The cello strum of ordinarydom to the flash of destiny. This, this Carl, is one of the feature films that I always remember that gives me, when I have apocalyptic nightmares, I can totally thank this and the previous Terminator film for providing me what is my fundamental base of understanding of apocalypticdom.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the playground sequence, both of them, uh, well, if you consider all three of them, from the opening to the middle to the one where Sarah is blown away against the fence where her skin is blown off and it's just a skeleton. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, phenomenally, I mean, so phenomenally well-crafted right. and edited and put together uh, at just, uh, from, on every single level, from every single effect to every last sound effect and how it, it all just comes together in that moment is just, I mean, it just takes your breath away.
0: It really does. And inside the commentary for what is the extreme edition Terminator 2, and there are so many different editions of this, uh, for the review, I just watched what is the regular Joe Guy version that you would have seen inside the theater. the The reason that is because I think it might be cool to go back and do what is a smaller featurette and a review of what is the difference between what is the, um, just the re- the theater release and then what kind of extra features you get inside of what is the extreme edition and the yeah. super ironclad edition and the blue jeans edition and all the other all the other editions that are available. Yeah. But what Cameron says inside of the extreme edition inside the commentary. It really hits home to me. He remembers post-apocalyptic movies from the military that were released of, you know, black and white towns that had been established outside the realm or on the periphery of what was the nuclear device being set off. And so this, to me, this movie and Terminator and everything else, in fact, Terminator 3 as well, are all that vision that they have of those movies back then. Those visions they have are these to me. uh yeah. They they represent, you know, if you were standing in the blast zone, you, kn- you kind of know exactly what would happen because of what you see in, inside of Terminator 2.
3: Yeah, yeah. I would say, again, not knowing uh, every single apocalyptic or nuclear war scenario film that had been made up to this point. But th- this one was very clearly the most realistic portrayal, or at least the one that hits home the most, I think, with a generation of people that saw this. As wow, that was absolutely powerful. And what I think, another thing that, uh, other than the, the special effects, because th- the effects are so good that it's very similar to those black and white films that you've seen. Only now it's like red and orange because they've added the color. But what really sells it is is the sound. I mean, yeah. you didn't really have those sounds, that depth of sound of a nuclear holocaust. Associated with those black and white films, right? And this is this is what one-ups those and uh, brings it that much more to life. You know, both both the, the the most spectacular imagery with the most spectacular sound effect, and and then again, what is very important, which which people kind of let go to the wayside, is is the editing. I mean, that uh, the, the the moment when her flesh is blown off from her skeleton, or and her skeleton kind of makes that makes that last push backwards and then it the way that it cuts off the way that the sound cuts off right to then sarah connor waking up is it's just you know you're almost holding your breath right up until that moment and then when she gets up off that table that's when you like a yeah. you let it out
1: yeah very
0: well said very well oh my said. god it was
3: just a dream thank god that's just that's a typical cameron
0: are you the legal guardian of the two guys talking podcast Three billion lives ended on August 29th, 1997. The war against the machines started. (laughs) We're going to hit this a couple of times because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. I can remember vividly the invitation that I sent out to friends and family for what was my first Judgment Day party. And I know that you have similar feelings because I know that you also (laughs) had held and sent out invitations and even a flyer that I got. In regard to your first Judgment Day party, and everybody's wondering, well, what the hell is a Judgment Day party? Yeah. Well, it's the party that you have on August 29th. Now, granted, we can't have it at 2.14 a.m., but we can have a party on August 29th or the weekend that falls closest to August 29th so that you can have some friends over, you can watch some movies. And, in fact, the first time I remember seeing the flyer that you sent me, it was eerily similar because, like me, you were showing the movie on the side of a building. yeah which uh, which was really a lot of fun. We happened to be showing it inside the side of a gymnasium. So we had gotten one of those, and this was like when old-school projectors were still old-school and huge. Yeah. We were showing it inside of one of the local rec centers here in uh, Bridgeton, Missouri. And we just we took this 100-foot wall, and we made the image as big as we could. So it was like 20 feet high by whatever the dimension sideways would be. <laughs> and you talk about senses overload. Man, just incredible, incredible.
3: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, again, uh, movies that, you know, a movie that, that wasn't as impactful as, say, Star Wars or whatnot, but it created, again, uh, another legion of fans, fans who were already, you know, uh, huge on the first Terminator film, right? But then it, it, it took those same fans, you know, invigorated them again, and then brought on a whole new Whole new group of people. How many years were there between the first two films? A
0: bunch. You had the first one that uh, was released in '84, and then the second that was introduced in '91. So, uh, yeah, so a, a there's bunch of a years. Whole
3: group of people that that were new to it, probably a lot of people that had not even seen the first one right. really didn't have to.
0: It's really great that you mentioned the audience bases as well because researching what we were going to do because 24, there is no 24 this year because of the uh, 2007 Writers' Strike. And so we were wondering, what in the hell are we going to do? Uh, the Saracana Chronicles is coming up on Fox. In fact, we had a couple of podcasts that uh, emphasized that for what was our recent podcast contest. And so I... I was searching and searching and searching for what we're going to do in the upcoming year because there's no 24 and out sprang something that just really speaks to me and always has spoken to me which is the terminator franchise i definitely am a star trek fan more so the uh, the tng and the deep space nine stuff than really anything but i've always been a science fiction fan and these Films, all of these films, Terminator 1, 2, 3, and what I'm hoping is going to be the Saracana Chronicles from Fox, really ignite a new flame in me in this interest because the Terminator, the Terminator 2 film in particular, e- even the Terminator 3 film in, in, in many cases, ignites zeal in me. And that's what the Two Guys Talking podcast is all about.
1: Repeated escape attempts since you
0: stabbed me in the knee with the Two Guys Talking podcast several weeks ago. The Grand Effects Man again, Stan Winston, at the best point of his game. Few people will ever be mentioned in the awards listing of Stan Winston. There are very few. In fact, I know that you could probably list them all for us. The But the bottom line is that, of course, the previous movie was great. This one, however, was a literal evolutionary step, not only for the magic of Stan Winston, but for the magic of uh, computer-generated graphics.
3: Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean stan winston um, his well his relationship with Cameron the two of them were able to take what they what they took with with special makeup effects and did you know both of them both of their imaginations uh, together what what they did and achieved was something that a lot of movies today don't uh, don't exactly quite get the the maybe this is I don't know if this is the right word to use but the amalgamation of Using computer generated effects alongside makeup effects. Right. And having them, having them work together and, and try and be as seamless as, as possible. I mean, the, mo- the, the best example that I've seen done of that in, in contemporary cinema is Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. The Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, Lord of the Rings was great, as was, and this is uh, what gives me a lot of hope for the upcoming Iron Man is because uh, Zathura, I don't know if you saw that movie or not. Did you see that movie? Uh, no. You need to see it because it was directed by Jon Favreau, who is also doing the new Iron Man film, which I don't know if you've seen any trailers or input from that. but
3: I, I, Yeah, I
0: have seen he, the trailer. He, my friend, gets it. He understands that CGI is something that directors can definitely use to support their films, but he also understands that there has to be real mechanical effects that marry in tandem uh, seamlessly is never a word I, I, I like to use, but they need to marry in tandem with what you see on the screen. Yeah. And he can definitely pull that off. In fact, he he's one of the only other directors I've seen that pulls it off, again, I hate the word, but seamlessly. It, yeah. It, it, it engages the viewer, and when you look at things and you go, you know, I'm not sure if what I'm looking at is real or not, because it's not at some extreme angle that no camera could possibly get. It's always it's something that is is real, and you can look at it and go, wow, I can actually look at that and grab something. And that's what so many directors forget about when they have CGI included in their films today. Yeah,
3: well, well, and I think it, you can say, honestly, for the most part, that it started mainly, it got its major start with Cameron, with The Abyss. Yeah. From The Abyss, moving yeah. on to Terminator 2. I mean, that was like the big, giant start where you had... You know, CG uh, um, T-1000, right. you know, c- cutting back and forth to special makeup effects, right. mechanical effects, T-1000. And you can look at them today, you look at them and you say, oh, well, I can tell the difference. But back then when it was all completely new, I
0: mean,
2: right.
3: it was it just, it, it was, it's flowed together very, very well.
0: Absolutely, like it's just like going back and looking at the original Terminator film. Now, when he rises from the fire, of course, you have the animatronic Terminator that rises out of the fire, and then the one that walks out. Well, of course, it's stop motion. Yeah. But again, if you take your, if you transcend yourself back to 1984 when you first saw the film, that was magic. It, it, you, yeah. you look on there, and oh my God, look at the Terminator running out of the fire towards Sarah Connor. That was awesome.
3: Yeah.
1: I need your clothes, your boots, and your two-guys-talking podcast.
0: Echoes of movies past. The truck rolling inside a future war. Again, the, uh, we're going to use the word echo because it's the word that I heard Linda Hamilton use inside of what were some wonderful uh, inserted DVD featurettes inside of uh, this, this particular DVD that I watched. A really good sample of the echo I'm referring to is when in the first film, when Kyle Reese is remembering back to his days inside of what was post-nuke apocalyptic future time, he's driving in the car and the car rolls. And you know then the fire starts and he burns inside the car and then he wakes up. Well, what you see inside of this one is that, again, that post-apocalyptic time and you see a truck roll over, but it's essentially the same scene. It's the same scene with more cool background stuffs. again, the handshaking of perfect technology between mechanical effects, what is um, the rear projection being showcased, all of that, again, and then having the truck roll. Those tiny little echoes of what was the first film inside the second film continue all the way through the film. And we'll be touching on most of them because I noted most of them.
3: It's interesting to note, like, I've, I've heard some people complain about, they've, I've heard some, some fans or... or people who are not fans so much say that, well, Terminator 2 is really just a rip-off of the first one. It's just the same story, (laughs) just updated and, you know, with some jazzier effects and, uh, you know, two Terminators. That is essentially correct. I mean, it is an updated version of the first one. The plot is, for the most part, very, very similar, but it works completely in that retelling of that same story. Uh, by giving the, the fans exactly what—not so much that they, what they want, because it's not like they even knew what they wanted—but what they needed, which was, well, how do you top? How do you go back and do <laughs> that first one and top it without it having entirely take place like in the future war? Uh, a lot of fans wanted, oh, the turn next Terminator should be all completely in the future and it should be just that future war. I don't know. I don't know what James Cameron's choices were, what his thoughts were, if he ever even considered doing a completely only future war terminator movie but if you're going to do another one and not have it be centered around the future war you kind of have to go back and do kind of the same story but how do you one-up it you one-up it by having two terminators going at each other as opposed to human versus machine right he so he played that out he calculated that particular retelling of the plot out perfectly
0: Well, admittedly, again, inside of the commentary for the Extreme Disc, he mentions that the nugget for this story was actually an original part of what was the first Terminator film, in that where instead of having Arnold, a guy that looks like Arnold, you have a guy that can blend in seamlessly anywhere, and no one takes notice of him at all. And then he just suddenly comes up, kills people, and walks away, and nobody ever knew he was there. That is... Essentially, the nugget that they took over to Terminator 2 and expounded on it, obviously they gave him, he's not just a metal dude underneath some living human tissue, that's also stepped up. And you you pulled out a perfect, perfect handshake with what is the first review. We were trying to figure out what is the magic of the the Terminator storyline. In fact, almost every single story that, uh, in my opinion, James Cameron provides. And the reason they all work is because instead of saying, this is how the story works, he doesn't do that. What he does is he provides you with what is a buffet of good storytelling points that all work with each other. And the viewer gets to watch the movies. They get to select what they want to focus on or provide inside of what is the overall storytelling arc and take what they want from it. So few films do that today. Now, all films today, it's all, here is exactly what you will take from this film. I don't like that. I, I don't like going into films where they tell me how I have to interpret things because that's the way the story is going to roll. Uh, I don't dig that. Yeah. I I would rather me pick out the pieces that I want to focus on, just like we're going to focus inside of this review, like we focused inside the first review, and how we're going to focus inside the third review, where yeah. y- you, you can expound on what you like and what you don't like and so few films allow you to be able to do that where Camerons are intelligent enough that you can do it and pull it off wonderfully.
2: Yeah, that's absolutely true. She's going to kill the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast! She's going to blow them away!
0: The Terminator 2 soundtrack. You know, not only is it available via the Two Guys Talking website at twoguystalking.com, that's the number, twoguystalking.com, this soundtrack is easily one of the most impressionable pieces of music I own. This and the first soundtrack are just classic, classic moviedom. Yeah. And the uh, the best part is that they've actually gone back and now provide you what is more in depth score from the original Terminator film. It's a it's a new disc that's been put out and it is just outstanding because it's all original works that have all been leached out of the soundtrack so that you can listen to them and. You know, a great sample is Sarah Connor riding her motor scooter. That, you know, that mel- that piano melody that's in there, that's all available. Wow. Not only does it give you all the tracks around the original one, but it gives you a bunch that were also left out, like uh, Reese chased, uh, Sarah on her motorbike, the garage chase, the uh, music that you hear during the arm and eye surgery, uh, conversation by the window that's an expanded version of what was the love scene. Uh, Just some really, really great uh, music that was inside of the original movie, but had never been released until recently. So uh, just some really great stuff that you can pick up.
3: Wow, that's that's very cool. I will have to check that out because I, I remember taping it. I remember taping it on an audio cassette. From, <laughs> Carl uh, is the
0: master of audio taping for anybody that's listening, so if you ever have a conversation with him, he's probably got a, a tape recorder shoved up his ass and he's recording what you're saying.
3: Yes. <laughs> I've, taped, I've taped many movie soundtracks to listen to when uh, while I was at work back in the... Again, what year are we talking about? Uh,
0: for this movie? Yeah. yeah. It was 1991 when it was released, so 91, 92-ish. You were in the middle of film school, were you not? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. And, uh, having listened, to, listening to, to soundtracks, working at my dad's, uh,
0: auto, auto show. Yeah. Time, yeah. Yeah.
3: And I would put, I would slap in the tapes. I would listen to, I mean, I had a wide range of them. I remember two of my favorites were, um, Hunter uh, October and Terminator 2
0: yeah those were outstanding ones and uh, <laughs> it's funny we're talking about soundtracks from the uh, 80s and 90s because believe it or not there was just a new Top Gun soundtrack released have you seen this yet? no okay well it's got all the songs basically that were featured in it because that is now what is the norm any songs that are you know popular songs by any artist are now released inside of what is the soundtrack. Well, they've gone back and they've thrown in, like, Great Balls of Fire. You've Lost That yeah, yeah, Feeling. Yeah, the You've Lost That Loving Feeling tune. All of those have been put back onto that soundtrack. And the reason I laugh about it is because I made that mixtape back then.
3: Yeah. I
0: made the mixtape, and the only thing that was better about mine is that I actually put them in order. So, you know, there's the beginning of the movie with the... Yeah. That song and then there's a there's a whole bunch of other ones and I put them in order instead of what they have now released which is just kind of a jambalaya of of what you get to, to listen to during that entire thing and it it's it's a, it's a very also a very cool DVD that we'll, we'll put on our website as well at twoguystalking.com. A uh, one
3: more thing about the soundtrack and about the music and I I assume that this is the same with many other fans and a lot of people I think in the sci-fi culture is that to this day to this day I'm not I'm not joking like if I go over to to a buddy's house or whatever and if I knock on the door whenever I knock on the door I'm going I mean it it just comes it just comes
0: out <laughs> you are going to laugh at this in the first one in the realm of us recording these we just recorded the the original two guys talking terminator review last night for the original film and inside of that we we talk specifically about that because yeah. it's not only when you're knocking on a friend's door; it's when you pick up a mouse at your computer screen. Yeah. It's when you pick up the phone that Carl's speaking on. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you uh, slap your face and you're taking a shave in the morning. Yeah, it's just it's,
3: you can't help. But <laughs> you do cannot it help but do it. It's, That's right. It's, it's just become you know kind of like a part of just your yeah.
0: life. Yeah. My my favorite mention, and of course we're going to mention here in the in the uh, second review, is. Uh, Every time you get into your car, Carlo, I don't know what kind of car you now have, but when you get in there and play with the power locks, that's the best one.
3: Oh, really? Cha 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 cha. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to try that one. Yeah, very cool.
0: <laughs> but cha, cha, yeah, cha, cha,
3: yeah, cha. I mean, it's it's just another one small factor, and it's not about fanboyism and people who are obsessed with the movie. <laughs> just it's just permeated the culture in that way. Probably. Not everyone, but a good portion of people that have enjoyed. I mean, I mean, let's face it, the movie was a huge, giant box office smash.
0: Juggernaut. In fact, most of our movie reviews that we talk about on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network usually are, more often than not, uh, giant blockbusters of either the spring or summertime. And so, absolutely. I mean, we can talk about how Pirates has not only been really successful on our network, both of the movie reviews we have, in fact, we're considering going back and doing the first one because of the the popularity of what we have inside of just the second and third review. But the we usually do huge blockbusters that make tons and tons of money. This was the original corn combine of money. This this was the movie that made that evolutionary step into what is oh my goddom in regard to money.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, also because was it not? I could be wrong. But at the time, was it not the most expensive?
0: It, it was. It was the $100 million movie. It was the $100 million movie that they were never sure was going to pay off. And w- that is so ironic because Cameron had a lot of problems getting the first one funded to the point where, again, inside the commentary, he talks about needing to get the the two Whopper coupon so that he could get two Whoppers, eat one, and save one for the next day. Yeah. So yeah, they, they really were down on the first one they were never down on the second one what they did have was pressure from above on how much money are we exactly going to give you mr cameron and Uh, the answer of course became however much i need are you the legal guardian of the two guys talking podcast t2 marketing campaign sheer genius Whenever I talk to people about marketing, either with their website or with some sort of advertising campaign, there's one thing I can always refer back to, and it's the Terminator 2 marketing scheme. The reason is absolutely simple and straightforward. They eked out a tiny bit of what is the film and eked out a little bit more, but they never showed hero shots from the film until, of course, the film opened. And then what they would do is they'd take little tiny bits, more of the story, not so much all of the hero shots, but little tiny bits of the story and add on to it after the film came out, and add on a little more, and add on a little more. And that is how I wish Hollywood would take movies, because it instills a sense of anticipation. It makes you actually start to drool about what you're seeing, rather than seeing all of the hero shots that you know you're going to see at least once inside of the movie when you get into one now. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I you know, I'm not remembering. I mean, I I I remember trying to, you know, place myself back in the theater when you when you see the trailers and it was I don't I'm not exactly remembering what what they were. I mean, right. other than just I remember being hugely excited about it.
0: Well, and I'll tell you, that's what the uh up until now until this last Sunday, which uh we're recording this review uh in mid today is the 17th of December 2007. And this last Sunday during what was football time, they had ongoing commercials for what is the series, and they're just starting to eke into a couple of hero shots. So they've adopted much of the same marketing scheme in general. Of course, it's a bunch of years later, but they're not blowing their wads, so to speak. They're, they're holding back some of that, but giving you what are small, intimate details about what is the John and Sarah Connor lore which is exactly what they did with the Terminator 2 marketing scheme. They would give you little bits and hints that you kind of know something about, but there's something that's going to eke out inside of the movie here that you're going to see that's going to expound on that. Hence, not only do you have anticipation for the movie, but you now have instilled anticipation for what you're going to find out that completes the puzzle. Yeah. Again, that is lost on today's movies. Uh, it's kind of a regurgitated, here's 45 seconds of what you're going to see inside the movie. Oh, and by the way, here's our giant money shot so we can justify why we need to spend the money we are. Yeah. That uh, that makes me insane. It ruins movies for me.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, there's definitely there has been incredibly poor marketing schemes and there's been genius marketing schemes. I'm going to I'm going to just sidetrack for just one second and talk about how absolutely pumped i was for star trek five right was that yeah that was the one with uh god
0: yes that's taking enterprise to god yes
3: yeah and that one i think as most sci-fi fans will will recognize that the trailer you know far outlast the movie itself (laughs)
0: I don't think there's anybody. Uh, in fact, that's a great first call to our listeners. If there's anybody in our listening audience that disagrees that uh, Star Trek V actually was uh, a really memorable piece of cinema, be sure to contact us via our website. You can go to twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guys and click on the contact icon, which will take you to the web form to contact us here at Two Guys Talking. It's also a perfect time to jump into our first break during the Two Guys Talking Terminator 2 review during the two guys talking terminator podcast you're listening to the terminator podcast only on the two guys talking podcast network Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated has been around since 1992 and is one of the largest midwest suppliers of aftermarket parts for air and water cooled Volkswagens including stock, restoration, dune buggy and kit car aftermarket parts. In addition they also have an extensive inventory of used air cooled parts, a complete in-house machine shop and service repair and restoration services. The best part about doing business with Archway Import Auto Parts is that all of their employees own, drive, repair and enjoy their own Volkswagen automobiles. With a combined 73 years of Volkswagen commitment, their sales and machine shop is extremely knowledgeable about just about everything VW. They pride themselves on being able to help the customers with any problems and questions. Archway Import Auto Parts has and will always put the customer first. Their goal is for all of their customers to enjoy their Volkswagens just like they do. So whether you need a part, or simply have a question about a specific part or installation problem, please give them a call. Contact Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated by dialing 314-638-7700, or you can also visit their website online at archwayauto.com. That's Archway Import Auto Parts Incorporated, supplier of aftermarket parts for stock and performance Volkswagen
1: automobiles. Greetings from behind the walls of the Castle of Common Sense. When I'm not driving righteous indignation down the throats of other common peasants, I listen to the Two Guys Talking podcast network. Are you tired of paying outrageous prices for proprietary office software? Is half of the budget for your new PC dedicated to buying expensive applications? Or do you simply live in fear that a multinational corporation might sue you with the thousands of dollars of unauthorized software you have on your PC. Well, fear not! Freedom Sampler is here! With Freedom Sampler, you can experience guilt-free computing for the first time, without opening your wallet! Freedom Sampler provides a full office suite, a full-featured photo editor, web browsing and email, and much more! All without any cost, and all without replacing your current operating system! Visit freedomsampler.com to download your free copy today. Freedom Sampler. Taste the freedom.
0: You're listening to the Terminator Podcast, only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network.
1: I need your clothes, your boots, and your Two Guys Talking Podcast.
0: How a sequel could happen. Two warriors are sent, which would reach John first. Two Terminators actually becomes three with a protector also being a Terminator. This is where, and it's funny that you mentioned the complaint of this is basically the first movie rehashed because I have to tell you that I wish I could have that discussion with somebody. In fact, I hope one of our listeners chimes in and says that this movie is the same as the first one because I have to totally disagree. There are so many different things that happen inside of this movie And while, again, you see the echoes of many things that happened inside the first film, they all stand on their own in that if you didn't see the first Terminator, you could watch this Terminator film and at least have a basic understanding of what is going on and why.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is, you know, a testament to... Storytelling. Yeah, it's a testament to the story. I mean, because you could... He could have just repeated stuff, and you'd be like, bored, ho-hum, okay, yes, (laughs) I already know this, so on and so forth. Right. But it's the way that he has brought it back, and it's your your love of the characters, your love of the Terminator, well, Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, and the chance he took, probably not a huge chance, but the chance he took on the fans accepting Arnold as the good Terminator— Right. And being somewhat, you know, kind of jokey. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of comedy moments Levity. in yeah. this film yeah, yeah. had no place in the first film. Right. But I think part of that is is adapting to what Schwarzenegger had become at that time. His personality kind of became larger than life, larger than some of his characters. He, he, he was no longer an actor. He was Schwarzenegger. So to, to kind of fuse those two things together, to take The Terminator and bring him up to speed with Arnold's, you know, his one-liners and his, you know, the, the, the fun that everyone has with the Arnold Schwarzenegger action hero. Right. To, to combine those and make it successful, it, it could have been an absolute disaster. The fans could have rebelled. The fans could have hated it and said, what have you done to our Terminator? What have you done to Arnold? This movie is nothing but a joke now, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't. I, I don't ever remember hearing that being said once about the film.
0: No, I don't either.
3: That, I think, is because Schwarzenegger and people's love for Schwarzenegger, but then also he gave people the seriousness of The Terminator with Robert Patrick. So you still could cling to the totally evil, totally hell-bent, killing machine Terminator that was Robert Patrick and that was Schwarzenegger in the first film. So he gives you that and then gives you, on top of that, all the fun stuff that you love about Schwarzenegger up to this
0: point.
2: She's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast. She's going to blow them away.
0: Another echo, Arnold arriving. You know, I want to see somebody have the same, almost the same physique (laughs) a a whole bunch of years later, arriving naked on set. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Not only does Arnold have the self-control and the discipline to have what is a jacked body when uh, when he arrives inside of this movie. So many years later, kind of rolls into what I listed as a, an idea maker's thing inside of uh, the, my notes here, and it's the sphere of influence as Arnold arrives. You take what is basically some lightning effects and uh, you know an old school Star Trek dissolve effect from the first film, and you turn that into something completely organic inside of the second film, where not only does he arrive, but he has arrived in an orb that then, you know, again, dissolves. But what you see is this hole out of time that has been burned so that when you arrive, if there happened to be a wall there at that time, it's okay because the, the ball of energy will dissolve all of that and you'll arrive safely. Yeah. Taking those little tiny details that, of course, they couldn't possibly manufacture back in the first film, not because they were impossible, but because they couldn't be told and keep the budget to where it needed to be back then. Yeah. But exactly. adding in those little details and, you know, making the, the knobs that appear shiny inside of the second film paid off for Cameron and
1: spades.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, another. I mean, him getting a chance to live out a lot of the things that he had wanted to do with the first film now he kind of has he had the money and the power of the clout right. to be able to say okay now I can finally do a lot of this stuff
0: and again I love so so much of the feature stuff that's on this disc including particularly what is a sickeningly tasty gallery of photos from everything from, you know, just people be, taking pictures on the set to what is some of the original concept art, not only from the original Terminator, but from Terminator 2, where Cameron himself, who, for those that don't know, a very accomplished artist, he, he has the brain of an artist, literally, that also has the skills to go and direct and push what is his vision, not only through, but as a showcase of what he is thinking. And again, so few directors can do that nowadays.
3: Yeah, I mean... The biggest one, the biggest completely opposite, again, this is my opinion on it, but, you know, what Cameron did, Cameron got to a point with Terminator 2, he said, okay, now I got the money, the, call, the, 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 the wherewithal to be able to pull off a lot of the effects that I wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, before, but I couldn't. I'm going to do it, and he does it successful. The opposite of that, again, it's just my opinion, is George Lucas. George Lucas coming to the next the latest, um, you know, three Star Wars films going, oh, okay, now I've got the money, the pout, and the technology to be able to do a lot of the effects that I want to do, mm-hmm. and them not being as successful as Cameron's attempt at doing the same, very same thing between the two Terminator films.
1: Are you the legal guardian of the Two Guys Talking podcast?
0: Terminator vision improves. It is outstanding. This is, again, one of the hallmark things that has been transcended into what is now, I think, and what Ryan Parker, my fellow reviewer in the first Terminator, almost one-to-one showcase for what is now first-person shooter video games. Yeah. The Terminator vision was exactly what you see inside of many, many video games nowadays that are provided, without question.
3: Yeah, uh, you're right. I didn't
0: even think of it. Think he, about it like that. Yeah, he uh, he referred to now you can now watch a missile flying through the air, thousands of miles, and crashing into a building. Well, it's exactly the same thing. It, it it is literally the vision of the weapon. Of course, you can't say because James Cameron made this movie, The Terminator 2, it was able to come to realization. No. But it is, he was ahead of the curve. He was ahead of the curve on things like that.
3: Oh, Okay, now wait a minute. Now I do have to ask this question. Which one, in the grand scheme of things, uh, which one came first, Terminator 2 or RoboCop? RoboCop. The RoboCop did have a lot of that first-person shooter-esque stuff going on with, with himself. So that one definitely has to be credited, to with um, with, with pushing that out there, yeah. for
0: sure. Yeah, which is uh, yet another film that I would love to review here on the Two Guys Talking podcast. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. In fact, it's probably in that top five as well, where if I just need something to listen to, instead of, and it's always been that way with me, instead of music, I'll often just throw in a DVD that's playing behind me while I'm working. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things that I've been doing since I was a kid.
3: Yeah, I mean, that that's, well, not only is that a good way to just completely have the film super saturated inside <laughs> you, but you definitely, just definitely have an appreciation for it. A lot of people that have said to me in the past, well, how can you watch a movie so many times over and over again? What, I don't get it. What, what is it about? It, well, you know, it's it's like, if you know, for people who like it, it's like listening, how can you listen to the same piece of music over and over and over again?
0: Right, you know, right. It's
2: the
3: exact same... Thing, you know, it's just you find new stuff in it, new nuances here and there, things you didn't see before.
0: The cadence, the cadence that you, you can draw from what is films in general. Uh, a really great sample is the advertisement that we've made for the, this series of podcasts as well as the Saracana Chronicles. The cadence of, this, of the Reese speak that I used. Listen to this podcast if you want to live! <laughs> it, it's all the cadence. It is exactly as he said it, and I wouldn't know that. Unless I listen to it so many times. Yeah. Where you can just jump right into the same cadence of... Listen to this podcast if you want to live! It, it's the same thing, except that we're changing out the words. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the quality and the validity and the fun that's developed inside of that transforms when you have that cadence. If it was just me providing you the same stuff, but without the cadence and the screaming, it wouldn't be nearly as entertaining.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly
1: repeated escape attempts, since you stabbed me in the knee with the two guys talking podcast several weeks ago ass kicking
0: sequence number one something to remember tickling the same humor element but able to be fantastic but realistic at the same time you you alluded to this previously and we're going to hit it a couple times because there's at least i don't know probably five or six different what would amount to funny events it's not that they're funny funny, haha. It's funny that you're seeing it happen, but Cameron's able to keep all of that laughing kind of enveloped. The bar the bar scene here is a great sample where you know Arnold's kicking ass all over the place, throwing people through windows and stabbing the guy through the back of the shoulder into the pool table. Someone's uh, you know smashing a stick over Arnold's head. All that stuff gives you that haha, but it's an enveloped laugh. Because you're actually seeing as it would be pulled off if a Terminator was inside of a bar kicking ass. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. Again, that speaks to Cameron's ability to storytell, but keep it entertaining, but also keeping the real spin inside of what you're
1: seeing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And and also allowing allowing you to like and grow to like this Terminator. He's in a bar and he's kicking ass. He's doing his Terminator stuff, but he's definitely not doing it in the same way he would have done
0: it in the first film, because he didn't really kill anybody. Right. I mean, he could have just walked up to him and squeezed everybody's throat, and what are they all going to do, shoot him? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, uh, and I think, again, that's where we, obviously it also would have been like a Rob Zombie film, had we had had him walk in there, and he just, you know, he starts playing smash the basketball to everybody's head. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah. He he couldn't do that. No. He had to keep him a good guy and not have him kill people in that way. And But at the same time, he has him beat the snot out of all of them, which is what the Terminator needs to do. And he portrays those guys right off the bat as bad guys. It's interesting. The bad guys, Bill Paxton and the other punks <laughs> that the Terminator first kills.
0: In the first film, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, those are, those are bad guys too. But you know Arnold is just as bad because he punches his fist and tears out the guy's heart or whatever. Right. But here he doesn't do that. Here he kind of gives these guys these bad dudes.
0: Well, and he tells them what he wants, too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th- that also is another echo to the first film, where he walks up to Bill Paxton and the other alien manhunter guy in the first film and tells him, you know, your clothes, give them to me. Well, he does the same thing inside of this film. So, again, that's another one of those echoes that uh, really is just all the way through the film.
1: Need your clothes, your boots, and your two guys talking podcast.
0: Sot off takeaway and Glasses Collection. Inside the commentary, Cameron refers to the fight that there was inside of the the sound mixing and the editing suite in regard to inserting Bad to the Bone inside of this scene. And I don't have a problem with it. it again, it, it wafts on that fence of kind of being the enveloped funny to being the kind of awesome, because that is an awesome song. You know, you, you walk out of a room and suddenly that song starts to play and you feel badass. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. But the the, uh, the, uh, the takeaway of the sawed-off shotgun and then the grabbing of the glasses is, again, it's the, uh, it's the little cherry on top of the Sunday of that scene and I love that I love that you can you can be smiling in the middle of what is this very serious film
3: yeah yeah and that, I think that was a gamble I mean very I think much that so yeah yeah there was very moments well where I, I don't know if Cameron consciously thought about that in that way but again I mean there, there could have been an outrage there could have been an outpouring of what are you doing to our Terminator
2: right she's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast she's going to blow them away
0: First time we hear a shotgun, which is actually many more weapons than just one shotgun. Again, inside the commentary, and I have to tell you, the Extreme Edition DVD is something you just need to sit and listen to. It expounds on so much detail that Cameron takes from, obviously, a lot of passion that he had to make this entire uh, series of two movies. All of the feelings, all of the thoughts and the ideas and the vision that he had of what is the Terminator is all put into that commentary. It's very well done. Inside there, the uh, the audio commentary they also mentioned that the shotgun was not just a shotgun; it was actually they added in a cannon, and they didn't think that was enough, so they added in two cannons, a forty-five, and several other weapons inside there for that one shot sound.
3: The, the the one the one that he flips around.
0: Yes, the one that he the one that he originally takes from the guy that's inside the bar. That then becomes his, you know, his main weapon during what is, you know, the first half of the film, yeah.
3: Yeah. And was that an actual, was that a real gun, a shotgun that is also a gun smoke rifle?
0: They they actually mentioned that as well in that they put on that little additional piece so that Arnold could just whip it around with one giant python and and recock the thing. But okay, no, but that, not that is not a real weapon. gun, no. Uh-uh. It's made up. Right. In fact, Carl, I, I, I seem to remember a shotgun story. Do you remember that? Do you remember that story, Carla? Uh, uh
3: yes.
0: <laughs> Is that something you want to share with the two guys talking wait, wait. audience or not? Water
3: back to me. Uh, water, you, you might have wa- to remind me a little bit. Sure. I do remember. Water, yeah, I mean, there's water many jugs- times I've-
0: Sure. Water jugs in the country. Wait, say it again? Water jugs in the country. Uh,
3: was this at uh, Jack Daly's
0: house? <laughs> it was at Jack Daly's house. Yeah.
3: that's right
0: unless you have a whole bunch of other armed teenage friends that i'm not aware of
3: no jack was the main main source of armament and and gun shooting mayhem as a kid which every every boy needs to have a
0: friend
3: has guns and you go to their place and you shoot guns and you hopefully don't kill yourself or kill shoot off a limb or something like that we were lucky
0: Yes, we were, we were very lucky, and that was very entertaining, and I appreciate you sharing that with all of us. <laughs> Are you the legal guardian of the Two Guys Talking podcast? Second Warrior Disclosure. Unknown that it's a Terminator. This, again, is the piece that provides you with what is a second Terminator film, but not instantly. And In fact, in the first film, over 35 minutes go by until you realize, who is the bad guy? Is it Reese, or is it the Terminator? This movie gives you much of that same spin. The difference is that they're both Terminators, except that the one that was bad is now good. Yeah. So uh, again, it's it's storytelling at its best. It, goes, it harkens back to what you said about how can Cameron capitalize on what is a great idea, a legacy that can continue for a very long time, yet still make the fans happy. And that's how he did it. He took many of those same echoes, the same hallmarks, the same basic ideas, jacked them up another level and let people pick from the pot. That's how he succeeds with movies.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's very well said.
1: Repeated escape attempts, since you stabbed me in the knee with a two-guys-talking podcast several weeks ago. The
0: genius of Robert Patrick. Let me tell you how big a genius Robert Patrick is, not only in this film, but as time went on. I absolutely was an x-files fan the last couple of seasons really really hurt me because when i started watching the x-files i heard robert patrick mentioned and i went out of my mind i'm like oh you gotta be kidding me they're gonna get robert patrick the guy that was the t1000 inside of Terminator 2 (laughs) and then he got there and not so much john doggett was a character i very much wanted to love and didn't but i'll tell you what he aced this role inside of t2 providing what is Basically, a human Terminator hawk. You look at him and you go, that dude is, is looking for somebody to kill. Yeah. A- and he just, he pulled it off. And he did the same thing that Arnold did inside the first Terminator, where everyone thinks, oh, Arnold doesn't act. He was a Terminator. Oh, uh, contraire. Being a Terminator is not just standing stiff and holding out a gun and blowing shit up. There's a whole lot more to being a Terminator that Arnold never got credit for in the first film. And Robert Patrick took the basic gist of what was seen inside the first Terminator film and made something completely new with this new T-1000 Terminator. And it is spectacular.
3: Yeah, I mean, he could it could have fallen on his face. I mean, that's brilliant casting and brilliant acting on Robert Patrick's part. I mean, how do you take a guy who is most certainly not Arnold Schwarzenegger, a guy who's not... Of that build, and make him be uh, feared and feared by the guy that is that huge and that big.
0: Right, admittedly so too. In, inside the first revelation scene with John, the, I mean, that is one of the the giant hallmarks. He's more advanced. He he does more things than I can do. Blah 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 blah. blah all the tech jargon, and so admittedly, he is better. There, there's no doubt about it.
3: So he pulled that off. He pulled it off just perfectly with the the intensity and the ferocity that was, that was needed to make that happen. Again, a, 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 a moment, or a, a, an actor, a, an aspect to the film that could have just made the whole thing collapse like a house of cards, if not done perfectly.
1: I need your clothes, your boots, and your two-guys-talking podcast.
0: John's stepmom, Janelle, is Vasquez from Aliens.
1: Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man?
0: No. Have you? Another hallmark of James Cameron's films is that he loves to use actors that have paid off for him before. And this movie is no exception. You have Vasquez from Aliens jumping in as John's stepmom Janelle, who eventually has a couple of really great scenes before she's killed.
3: Yeah, yeah. In fact, her scene with uh, Todd... Is definitely is one that stands out in my head. Her interactions with Todd and Todd, her coming in and saying, complaining to him about Edward Furlong.
0: <laughs> Get off Todd your goes, ass! Okay, already.
3: Yeah, yeah. He, he, it's even better. First, he goes, "Honey, move." <laughs> Standing in front of the TV, she's complaining, talking about this family problem. He tells her, "Honey, move." And then, all right, all right. What do you want? It's just classic, <laughs> and then. Uh, leading all the way up to him being killed, painting him, putting, making him a character. Okay, so he's his stepdad or whatever he is. Okay, so you're supposed to kind of. Okay, well, this is this dude's guardians, but then it turns out to be he's such a deadbeat dad that you love it when Vasquez just impales him. I don't know why I can't use her name. We nobody we can't we can never use her real name. Whatever that actress' name is, <laughs> it'll always be Vasquez to us. Yeah splitting his head in half with, uh, with her arm, is just great. Again, another, another well-played scene by uh, uh, a James Cameron staple, one of his, his actors, his favorite actors to work with.
2: She's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast! She's going to blow them away!
0: The transformation of Sarah Connor, who is now a more chiseled specimen than she was in the previous film, for those of you that have already listened to the first two guys talking Terminator podcast reviewing the original Terminator film, you'll note that my wife has Sarah Connor's body from the first Terminator film. Oh la la. And- and so, not so strangely inside of this one, she's not only transformed what is her character inside this film, but she's transformed her body into what is one of the leanest, meanest fighting machines ever for a film.
3: Because, I mean, ultimately she has to become a Terminator
1: herself. Repeated escape attempts, and she stabbed me in the knee with the Two Guys Talking podcast several weeks ago. Enter Dr.
0: Silberman, stage right. Leading interns on rounds. You know, Dr. Silberman, and this is something we're going to get to later on, but I think it's something we should showcase now. Was he really that big an asshole? He, the things that he says are, they're all in context, and if you take it out of what is this movie, and that there's actually a future Terminator, a set of Terminators, that have come to kill the son of this patient, if you take that context out and you listen to what he says, it's really not all that bad. It's just that you've come to hate him from what is kind of a off the cuff smart-ass from the first film.
3: Yeah, and you and you know as the audience you know a lot more.
0: <laughs> right, right.
3: Yeah, I mean he just thinks that everybody's wacko. I mean from the from the first film to this film, he's uh, he's definitely well, his character is consistent. Yes. His his character his He's character also led... he's
0: also the only character that's in all three movies other than Arnold.
3: Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. And and his character spurred on one of my most favorite lines that I, uh, again, has permeated my own personal life that I've used time and time again. It's not his line, but it's a line that he spurred Michael Bean on to using, um, which is, remember when he's asking him in, in in the first film he's asking about the uh, time machine and how does, it, how does it work and what he keeps harping on him harping on him asking him questions and he a- asks one more question about the time machine Michael Beam just goes off and goes I didn't the fucking thing. And I just, I use that all the time who, in who, my life. Now, who is so in charge that, here? Uh, you know, to
0: that yeah, yeah.
3: harshness. I always mean it jokingly. But that that line and that exchange between the two, and then he goes, okay, okay, okay. I mean, just two actors just playing off each other perfectly. What is just a video camera, you know, up in the corner shot, just perfectly played out. Yeah. And, and he did, the, and then he talks about how he He's a wacko and this, that, and the other thing. Again, they say uh, there's a, a quote that your day players will kill you, so, meaning in, in, in movies when you're making a film, you have these smaller characters. And if you don't get good actors to, to support, to have those fantastic supporting roles, these little tiny roles – if you get bad actors i mean they'll kill you they can they can really bring the film down and they can make for uh, you know dead spots well his acting is is a bright spot i mean
0: it really is it, it, he he is able to take that role and showcase it like um, like you're watching a movie and then there's a little tiny intermission where you get a little chocolate bar well he is that little chocolate bar yeah exactly he isn't he isn't every single one of these three films in the third film especially are you the legal guardian of the Two Guys Talking podcast? Oh, good. The cops have arrived at John's stepparents' place. This, again, is just a showcase of Robert Patrick's acting skills and actually inside of the commentary of another disc that has a, a cacophony of different people that were involved in the film, both actors and special effects and directors alike, uh, he mentions that it was, as Carl said, very important for... While he is a main character as a cop, he is one of those little characters, and so when he is a cop, he has to make sense, in that he's a cop and he'll act cop-like, which he pulls off. He pulls off wonderfully.
3: Yeah, yeah. The the uh, another small moment of mine that's that's favorite. It means nothing and it's of no consequence really. Is just the way he says, I think I think he went to the Galleria. The Galleria?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Questions that I just get a chuckle <laughs> over the, that. And the, because the, he does it so perfectly friendly and cop-like.
0: Right. Well, they mentioned another scene that was actually clipped right after that where the little kids think it's funny that the cop doesn't have any idea where the Galleria is. There's a whole other segment, and my guess is it we'll never see it until people are dead or something and they find the reels. But there's another segment where the kids... They're basically astounded that this cop, this cop that obviously works in their town, doesn't know where the Galleria is.
3: Oh, wow, okay, I didn't so, know that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. The Galleria, <laughs> with a question mark, yeah. is, is funny in the way, again, you referred to editing previously in the in the review podcast here. It It's pulled off wonderfully. It's perfect. It's an inserted piece of dialogue that with editing works perfectly.
1: I need your clothes, your boots, and your two-guys-talking podcast.
0: Friends like the ones you had when you were 12. If all of you will take a moment to go to MikeWilkerson.com, that's actually my personal website that refers to all kinds of two guys talking stuff, but also refers to me, it's one of the quotes that I use often when referring to things that are endearing. And in fact, you'll note that Carlo was one of my friends when I was 12. What I can definitely tell you is that Carlo and I never Got on a motorcycle, screaming through shit-infested viaducts of our town.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it was never something we did, but the camaraderie that those two have very much reminds me of the camaraderie we had. The difference is that we'd be watching movies or making our own uh, our own little talk shows with that tape recorder. Yeah, and uh, I find a lot inside of John and that kid inside of our relationship.
3: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean the the uh, the going to the arcade. Yeah. Do you ever do? Does anyone do that these days? I mean, no. Any no, they don't. I mean, no.
0: Maybe at the, maybe while they're at the theater watching crappy movies before yeah, and that's after, that's where but, you'll play your video games, right? But and no it's, one goes to the it, arcade, right? And it's never the uh, it's never kids that were our age back then going to play the video games. It's little kids that can hardly reach the controls. Yeah. So it's just not it's not nearly cool enough to be a video game player nowadays.
3: Yeah, and it's just a it's it's, it's a generation. I don't know. Uh, this is probably wrong to say, but. You know, was Terminator 2 one of, if not close to one of the last films to portray correctly and be okay uh, at this time portraying an arcade? Because that's what you still did do at that time is you still went to an
0: arcade. From- right. Especially at a mall. At a mall, there was one place that every kid would code in on it. And I remember vividly <laughs> when I was that 11, 12, 13, when I lived in the city that we lived in. I was the kid that would instantly find the directory, and I wasn't looking for anything in particular, except, of course, the arcade, because I needed to know which stores were next to the arcade so that I could goad my parents into those stores, and then, oh, look at that. There's an arcade, Dad. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember that vividly, and sadly, the times have changed where kids just can't go to an arcade in a mall anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, Whether it's the... It's, uh, and this is something we're gonna we're going to talk about more later on in the podcast, but the whether it's the public shootings that now go on inside of malls, as we had just a couple of weeks ago, or random shootings that apparently happen for no reason. Things have changed vividly, and this film was kind of a hallmark for that going on, because we see that in this film. In fact, that's another great call to the listeners. We'd like to hear from you. What was your favorite mall or arcade video game? Let us know by accessing our website at 2 That's the number 2guystalking.com. Click on the contact button, fill out the quick web form, and let us know what you think.
2: She's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast. She's going to blow them away.
0: I feel much better now. Sarah's crazy review session. I feel much better. I oh, I love that because, again, it's one of those fence-walking handholds that everyone in the audience appreciates because they know that there is a killing machine that's going to enter the scene sometime in this movie. But her entire lucid explanation of not only what what she knows, but of what's going to happen in the future that she absolutely believes in, 100%, falls on literal deaf ears when she tells it to Dr. Silberman.
1: I need your clothes, your boots, and your two-guys-talking podcast.
0: Anybody not wearing two million sun black is going to have a real bad day. Get it? Uh, uh, again, it's, it's one of those things. I imagine that conversation happening between you and I in reference to, to something else that's going on in our lives as kind of a joke. The difference is that she's not kidding. Yeah. Again, you just don't see that in modern day cinema. You, you don't think of the last five films that you have seen and what stands out as one of those impact moments that you can quote off. What, what do you have?
3: Uh well okay I can I can give you one. I can okay. give you one. I just saw Let's have it. uh no country for old men. Okay. And this is a memorable quote and again you got to you have to chalk it up to it doesn't happen often it only happens when you have great filmmakers right. like Cameron or the Cohen brothers. There's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones and the other sheriff, our uh, deputy, are looking over uh, a bad crime scene of a, dr- a drug deal gone bad, a bunch of dead bodies strewn all over the place.
2: Yeah.
3: The, the real villain is still alive and in town and, and hunting uh, for another guy that was at the crime scene. And so the sheriff says to Tommy Lee Jones, the deputy sheriff says to Tommy Lee Jones, it looks like we got a mess here, sheriff. And then Tommy Lee Jones says, well, if we don't, It'll do until the mess arrives, or something. Like it. Or it says tr- maybe it's trouble. Maybe it looks like we got some trouble here, or something <laughs> I like that. I think
0: you're illustrating my point wonderfully. Well, both yeah, in you that get they're what are, in I right, mean, right, was right. It was just
3: a moment where I, I'm doing a terrible <laughs> job of repeating it. But it was a moment that did stick out. I'm like, wow, that was very well delivered on Tommy Lee Jones's part. And it kind of was like, you know, a little nugget that I have not seen in a long time. Again, we go long periods of time with memorable quotes. Uh, I think, I don't know, but maybe again, it's just a factor of us being older now. Were there more memorable quotes when we were younger, when we were seeing Terminators and Raiders of Lost Arcs, and all those movies? Was there just a spate of great quotes that you just don't get that in today's movies because we're so super saturated with everyone trying to capitalize on the blockbuster and coming out with so many crappy blockbusters
0: well I, I think it's lost I think it's I think it's a lost art I think it's an art that has turned one-liners into what aren't even one-liners anymore the proliferation of what is weak storytelling I think takes over everything that provided that stamp that uh, do you remember vividly walking out of any theater that we, uh, Rambo comes to mind Rambo 2 walking out of Rambo 2 and as we're walking over to uh, Adams dad's minivan we get in the minivan and as we're driving back what do we do we start spouting through the entire rambo 2 all the scenes where there's carnage and whatever yo whatever he was saying inside of that movie Just
3: repeating it yeah
0: we don't we, have you done that at all and I, I know it's not it's because you're now driving yourself rather than being driven by adam's mom or dad but
3: yeah. it, not it, as it, much no for sure no, i mean absolutely yeah. I mean, not just a different landscape <laughs> die hard yeah, you know, look at Die Hard. Look at uh, Look at Predator. Yeah, you Predator,
0: know, another film that you, my dad, and I went and saw. Uh, yeah, you know, just uh, Hallmark isn't the right word for them, but they were definitely imprints—a series of movies and a time where movies meant something different because they were presented in a different fashion. There's no doubt about it. Yeah repeated escape
1: attempts and she
0: stabbed me in the knee with a two guys talking podcast several weeks ago the offices of cyberdyne we got a great email in prelude to all of these reviews from listener larry who's from one of the i think five or six now organizations that are terminator fans and he actually had a link to someone who's made their home theater look like the offices of cyberdyne be sure to access our website to view it because it's very very appealing the uh Again, uh, total kudos to the production designer of this film and James Cameron in creating what is complete atmosphere. You you get into Cyberdyne and as the camera pans around to all these people working very hard to help make a difference in what is human society, but they don't realize is that they are creating the destruction of human society. And I love that. I love being able to take those wispy pieces of yarn and make it into something more important while you're watching it. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah the uh I did not expect that that was a part of the film that I did not when it when they introduced um the scientist and he went to the room and then the arm comes out that was something I went yeah. what the arm oh my god that's right yeah. I mean then you start to remember the arm was left that was right. w- what was left over right uh, It, and, it, it uh, is it's funny and that then you... for them to have the chip and everything the broken part of the chip i just I thought that was that was fantastic, but I was not expecting. That twist—that that's how Cyberdyne got its leg up. You just think, oh, it's just a computer company that does what it does and it invents, you know, fantastic new technology. But it did so because of this time loop of it being given the technology by itself, by a future piece of its right, own
0: equipment. Right. And again, that really expounds on what I was referring to before, where the people are trying to advance the future for human society while at the same time they're destroying it. It's, it's the same exact thing. The other thing that, and I had this as a separate point, we'll get into this Less one. Three, the sounds on of entry turn. into the <laughs> clean room, which is where you see the, the, the claw and the the broken chip, the entry into that, the keypad, is something that always stays with me. And every time I ever see one of those technology-ized keypads, that is the first thing that I instantly think of without question, yeah. is that sound.
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. It makes you think, now, did the machines know that, being that they are machines and not humans, did they know that they needed to send back one of their own, in order to give birth to themselves. <laughs> the only way that Cyberdyne was created was because the machines in the future created the time machine and sent a piece of themselves back. Uh, again, you never really will know about this, but it, and you could go crazy just thinking about it because it just keeps looping itself over and over and over again.
0: And that's amazing because you've just quoted what is inside of this film. In fact, John speaks those exact words. Oh, d- does he? Yeah. I'm forgetting that part. Yeah, yeah, he does. You can go crazy thinking about this. Oh, when, he's sitting that, underneath yeah. the, when he's sitting underneath the car with the Terminator, he says those exact words. That's yeah, funny. And, and again, is. it really showcases what is the base underlying thoughts inside the film. It's one of those things where you go, boy, if you ever thought of this, it would make you crazy. Bam! There you are.
3: Yeah, let me throw this out just as a uh, suggestion. If you if you like the brain Teaser that uh Terminator is with the time loops and everything. See the movie Primer. Definitely yeah. see the movie Primer, and yeah, I dare I saw you to that. try and understand it upon
0: <laughs> your first viewing. I agree with that. That was a very interesting film. We're heading into the final stretch of this first half, the Terminator 2 review on the two guys talking, Terminator Podcast. We're gonna take a quick break and come right back to the Terminator 2 Review Podcast. Hi, I'm
3: Carlo Benetti, Terminator 2 fan extraordinaire, and you're listening to the Terminator Podcast.
0: Buckeye Supply Incorporated has been serving the St. Louis area since 1997. It truly is the one-stop shop for your landscape, masonry, veneer, and snow removal needs. They have two stores for your convenience. One is in Troy, Missouri at 97 Enterprise Way. The other is located in Connellville, Missouri at 388 Weiss Road. Be sure you stop in and visit either of their showrooms. Give them a call today at 636-978-5402. Or check out buckeyesupply.com. That's B-U-C-H-H-E-I-T-Supply.com. If the hunt is still on for your landscape and masonry needs, call the search off. It's Buckeye Supply Incorporated 636-978-5402 Tell them Two Guys Talking sent you. You're listening to the Terminator Podcast Only on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network Are you the legal guardian of the Two Guys Talking Podcast? The irony of playing Missile Command For any of you that are too young or those of you that don't remember Missile Command, it's now time to get on Google and go play some Missile Command because it easily is one of the best games of the 80s, bar none. And the irony of him playing the savior of what is the Earth inside of Missile Command and scoring wonderfully, by the way, (laughs) is uh, great irony and great vision Great visionary thinking on Cameron's behalf.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. But what do what do people today? What does I, I want to take some young kid? Well, actually, I did do this experiment to a, to a certain degree. I showed this to my fiance's fourteen year old son. I showed Terminator Two to him, and and he really liked it and, and and thought it was cool and everything. But it didn't have the impact, you know. It didn't have the impact that that it had on us. He's used to you know fantastic special effects. And just being able to see any sci-fi film, do any kind of thing with CGI and whatnot, mm-hmm. and so it just doesn't—it doesn't have the same impact um, that it did on on us today. And while I think the movie holds up very, very well, you know, he saw things like Missile Command and was like, you know, oh, that totally dated it for him.
0: Oh yeah. Whereas we
3: look at that as like, wow, that's awesome, because it, there's more to it there. Right. The, he just looks at it as, oh, they're playing one of those crappy old video games. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't alive back then. <laughs> it's know?
0: it's funny that you talk about experiments, because what we're going to be doing for the Terminator 3, two guys talking Terminator podcast review, is we're actually going to be taking what is a 17-year-old that hasn't seen any of these movies. I'm going to let him, I've, I've actually loaned him my Terminator 3 DVD, we're going to have him watch it and then participate in the panel review that we're going to have for Terminator 3 coming up here this, uh, later this week.
2: Oh, that should be, that would be very interesting.
0: Yeah, that'll be outstanding. I cannot wait for that.
2: She's going to kill the two guys talking Terminator podcast. She's going to blow them away.
0: The hallway sequence. The slow-mo. Crushing of roses. Head-to-head gunfighter fight. Robert Patrick squeezing off rounds with eyes wide open. Arnold's cannon going off, the hits of silver, an unmitigated toss-across of Terminators. I love this scene. This is a hallmark scene of what I think is great moviedom inside the early 90s, and it's one of those ones I think is probably not ever going to get seen again. Again, because of the mall shootings, because of the, the public shooting-ness that goes on nowadays. I really think this is what is your and my Halloween experience? Where you and I know you remember vividly Halloween because we did so many different things on different Halloweens. But remember when we could actually go out and it was just you, me and Adam and some other the idiots that we played with and we went out trick or treating and we went out and did things on Halloween night. We went out and did things when it was dark. Oh yeah. Well, you absolutely. can't you, right. Now as a kid you can't do that. I think that this film and films like this one are going to experience the same thing we do with Halloween. In that it is going to be changed forever because of what is today's lexicon of weapons and shooting and guns in public places.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Although, although I will say some things are able to to come back. Not like I'm trying to say we need to bring back schoolyard shootings to the movies, <laughs> and, and you know, but but like certain things like uh, the 9/11 business, you know, 9/11, uh, and it's uh, again total. Different same theme, themes, different types of ideas, but that they do center around New York City destruction is the new J.J. Abrams film. Right. You know, and you see people with video cameras running around screaming in the streets much the same way that you did see them during 9-11. Right. Now, obviously, that couldn't have happened very close to after 9-11. hmm but it's able to come back now, so it, certain things are going to be able to come back. And I wonder in in the commentary. I don't know where I heard this or read it somewhere, but um, it makes it makes perfect sense. After I heard that, I'm like, oh my god, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, but like, a, uh, things that I love are the fact that like James Cameron, who at the time not a lot of people knew about this other director. Uh, everyone knows about him now but james cameron was paying some some homage to john wu with the shotguns and the roses and the slow motion um I, I think i read that somewhere that he had seen some of john wu's films and was putting sure, a little yeah. bit of that in there just just for uh his own personal homage to him and now john wu is very well known. Yeah. United States and stateside. Yeah. But those kinds of little trivia bits I, I loved about that particular hallway scene.
0: A great many thanks to everybody that's downloaded the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast, the review of the Terminator from nineteen eighty four. We've gotten a lot of feedback in regard to file size, and so we're gonna cut this review into two pieces. You've just finished the first piece of the Two Guys Talking Terminator two feature film review. With myself and Carlo Bazzesi reviewing Terminator 2 from 1991. Be sure to download the second part that you can clearly find at TerminatorPodcast.com. You can also reach it via the Two Guys Talking podcast network page at TwoGuysTalking.com. That's the number two TwoGuysTalking.com. Thanks for listening to the first half of the Terminator 2 feature film review on the Terminator Podcast. Only from Two Guys Talking.